0: From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program, Organ Donors Save Lives.
1: Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. Juneteenth celebrations abound all weekend long throughout the Philadelphia area. There's something for everyone to celebrate, but do you know the meaning of Juneteenth? We'll talk with a professor from Temple University and a historian to get the full perspective on the holiday.
2: Anytime we see progress towards racial justice and equity in this country, whether it's perceived or actual, there's almost an immediate backlash. And we're currently living in the backlash of that.
1: Sharaday Howard speaks with a myriad of experts on Juneteenth to discuss the celebration of the true end of slavery. If people can be taught to hate, they can be taught to love. That's all coming up On Bridging Philly.
0: This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM.
1: We are in the midst of Juneteenth weekend, and there are plenty of celebrations, festivals, and various events to help celebrate. This is the second year that we're celebrating Juneteenth as a national holiday. It's quite fitting as it commemorates the day when the last of the enslaved in America were informed of their freedom. Now, getting here was quite a journey. The holiday is the perfect opportunity for teachable moments, not just for African-Americans, but for everyone, as we have already witnessed some missteps and insensitive attempts to mark the occasion. Here to discuss Juneteenth with us is Timothy Welbeck. He's director of the Center for Anti-Racism at Temple University. He's also assistant professor of instruction at Temple's College of Liberal Arts, Department of Africology and African-American Studies. Also with us is Van Jessica Gladney. She's a history PhD candidate at University of Pennsylvania. Welcome both of you. Hello.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I'll start by asking you both just to jump right into it concerning Juneteenth. What does Juneteenth mean to you, Van Jessica, and why is it so important that we mark this moment in history?
3: Um, so, as a historian, I study the early American Republic, and I'm always thinking about, you know, when do we as a country start living up to the ideals of the Revolution, like all oh, men are created equal, da da da. And it's very clear if you look at history that we have a lot of steps to get to there. But holidays like Juneteenth or commemorations like Juneteenth just suggest and show that we are making steps closer to progress. And one of the reasons I think it's important to recognize Juneteenth is not only to recognize how far we've come and how far we've had to go, but the fact that we had to move forward. And I know sometimes I feel like kind of a Pollyanna about these things, but I do think that it can be a mark of progress. But also it's just something too important to remember that this country was founded with slavery in line with the ideals of liberty that we are still trying to achieve. And why is it important that
1: we do celebrate
2: Juneteenth? I'd echo the sentiments from Van Jessica and just... In many ways, Juneteenth is our nation's true independence day. Mm. In similar ways, as Reconstruction was an experiment into giving a semblance of the liberty that we talked about at our founding in the Declaration of Independence, Juneteenth was the marker of which we began that experiment to some degree. So it's important to acknowledge this particular moment in our history, particularly because we fought an entire war about this particular issue. The Civil War was about slavery. And so the fact that we were willing to go to war to determine the outcome of these four million enslaved Africans, it's important to then celebrate the moment that the last of them learned they were free.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the gravity of the holiday is missed um, by many. So we're talking about the freedom delayed for millions. What I try to do is put myself into the place of my ancestors And I think of the fear of being free. There was a fear of being free back then. There was also joyful jubilation. I say all this to say it's not as though the world was rosy and welcoming after their freedom. Let's talk a little bit about what that was like in that particular moment in time, Timothy Welbeck, if you could.
2: So as you suggested, the moment was fraught with peril because for 10 generations, Our people only knew enslavement, and certainly there are people who were able to escape to freedom or people who died in the attempt to secure it. But to hear unilaterally that they were free was a literal answer to prayer. And so while many of them were rejoicing and jubilant, there was still this hesitation as to whether you could fully accept, is this actually something that's happened? Particularly when some of them ultimately discovered, too, that the news was just circulating to them months after the end of the war and two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. And so even when they gathered together the next year to celebrate that day and read the Emancipation Proclamation, it was a radical thing for them to do at that mm-hmm. time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: You agree, uh, Van Jessica? Oh, Absolutely one of the things that you ended with, this idea of gathering together, like that in itself was a form of freedom. This, there were so many degrees of freedom that were being delayed and denied. And so this idea of receiving news, being considered part of the populace that is worthy of attention, allowed to congregate mobility, um, there are freedoms that were up for grabs. And Juneteenth is one of those moments where we can see that some of those are being attained mm. mm-hmm. in a way.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking of that moment, the moment when, you know, the learning of the freedom. uh, But then what now? Where do we go now? What do we do? It's not as though we are welcome anywhere. It's not as though we can start building. I mean, I know, of course, things thrived and, uh, you know, that was able to be attained. But at that particular time, there was celebration, but it was also very difficult to kind of get life going with this new freedom, this new found freedom.
2: Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I love what Van Jessica said when she mentioned that the gathering of people was a radical thing, too, Mm -hmm. particularly because that's one of the first things the formerly enslaved did once they gained their freedom. They went looking for each other and because the institution of slavery ended up also separating families and people from each other. And then from there, it was trying to figure out what does freedom look like? What does freedom mean? Mm And that's a question that many of them were answering the rest of their lives.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's get into the uh, journey to national recognition, if we can. You know, many of us have recognized Juneteenth for years with our own celebrations and recognition. But why did it take so long for it to be recognized as a federal holiday in the United States?
3: Well, I think it's very difficult to celebrate the end of something when you've spent a good chunk of history denying that it existed or that it was important. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the tricky things about entering the profession of history right now is there's a politicization of talking about difficult narratives. Right. So it's very difficult. I can see how people would find it difficult to say, oh, yes, this is the day where the last person was enslaved. And then you have to answer, wait, what slavery? Wait, no, the Civil War wasn't fought over. You're you're <laughs> trying to put a star on top of a Christmas tree when there are no trees and yeah. you can't celebrate freedom if you've denied the existence of enslavement. Yeah. yeah. I,
1: I, I I like that. I like the comparison what you did there. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's it's a great comparison and it just feeds into the history of the time almost immediately after the Civil War, organizations like the Daughters of the Confederacy were trying to rewrite history and reframe the Civil War as the lost cause and trying to lionize the Confederate generals. And that's when we began to see the growth and creation of Confederate iconography. And in many ways, there you can draw a direct line from the Daughters of the Confederacy to Moms for Liberty and some of the organizations present day that are seeking to suppress the teaching of Black history in this country and reframe the narrative around what actually happened. And just anecdotally, as someone who grew up in the South, that's something that I witnessed firsthand. And it's, it was not lost on me just how often we saw not only Confederate monuments, but just how pervasive they were mm-hmm. and just not only pervasive, but how people had come to accept it. And much of that is from that influence of that time. Then it was reinvigorated during the push for integration.
1: To celebrate Juneteenth means you have to have these difficult conversations. They're not welcome in all spaces, mm-hmm. um, but they have to be had. So, um, you know, there are people obviously that don't support the celebrating of this particular event, or they don't want to deal with it, they don't want to acknowledge that, you know, there was a problem and they were enslaved that didn't know they were free. You know, it's a stain on the country, the entire event. So it's a difficult conversation for some people to have, and they don't want to face this because Juneteenth means what it means.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. The murder of George Floyd, how did that help push forward this movement? I mean, because his murder really sparked the national reckoning over racial issues in America.
2: So the murder of George Floyd, I think, had multiple impacts as it relates to this particular issue. As you suggested, it first brought increased attention around our nation's history and at the very least brought, if nothing else, nominal commitments to addressing and reckoning with this history. And so that helped to join some of the momentum around this holiday already that was happening across the nation to ultimately lead to the creation of a national holiday the other thing too was that anytime we see progress towards racial justice and equity in this country whether it's perceived or actual there's almost an immediate backlash Mm -hmm. and we're currently living in the backlash of that and so the summer 2020 was the racial reckoning, and what some scholars have referred to as the unreckoning begins almost immediately in the fall of 2020. And that's when we began to see the critical race theory moral panic, and then which has now led into the transgender moral panic. Mm-hmm. And all of these things are tied to this backlash from the progress that people promised that we would make in the summer of 2020.
3: I think there was such a combination of factors, and I often wonder you know, if not to say that like people get shot by the police every day or murdered by the police every day, but this was such a high profile one in large part, in my opinion, because everyone was kind of stuck at home from COVID. And so you've got this late stage capitalist society that doesn't give us a lot of time to protest or riot or actually speak out. And then there was a point where everyone where we had to take a pause. And during that pause, the oppression did not pause. So we were allowed for a second to focus on it. And I think pushing through COVID we've been so adamant to get back to normal and it's like well there were some people for whom normal was very dangerous and deadly and so now we have the backlash the bastardization of the word woke mm-hmm. and here's where we are today. <laughs> yes. yeah. I had someone tell me that they're upset that woke is this new word as if it was invented two years ago. Uh, yeah hello. Right. <laughs> And it's just like Exactly. Mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> all you don't say.
1: <laughs> if nothing else, though, I have to say, it really sparks the conversations. and um and you really get to see where people's heads are at mm-hmm. uh, when you delve into issues uh, like this. And, you know, the George Floyd movement, uh, along with pushing forward to having uh, Juneteenth as a national holiday, Also, you know, we saw a lot of companies, all of a sudden, it's time for more DEI. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's time to be, quote unquote, like you were saying, more woke. But then not long after, where did everything go? It's like that was kind of the flavor of the month. Black Mm -hmm. was cool. It was cool to embrace, um, you know, the, the forward thinking and the advancements of a people of color. And then they kind of faded away. And then we're now, now we're starting to see some DEI uh, type of uh, uh, offices and uh, positions go by the wayside. So I think something like this kind of keeps the momentum going, if not, uh, let us and remind us uh, every year
3: of why we're celebrating. Absolutely. I call 2020 the summer that America cared about racism for a little bit. And for a little bit. For a little bit. So if we yep. can keep up this energy every summer, you know, like without having to quench people, that would be great. Juneteenth, y'all.
4: Juneteenth, yeah.
0: Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM.
1: So I did say that this holiday can serve as a moment to both teach. And learn. So let's talk about that a little bit, um, because not everyone knows about Juneteenth. Still, we're teaching uh, our, our kids and even some adults about Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. Why should everyone, regardless of color and background, have a full understanding of this particular holiday? Professor Welbeck.
2: Because it's true, and it happened. It's a part of our nation's history. Mm -hmm. Very similarly to the way Nicole Hannah-Jones says, if 1776 matters, 1619 matters. In the same way, if the 4th of July matters, Juneteenth matters too. Because you could still own people on July 4th, 1776 in this country. Women could not vote, could not own property, could not work outside of the home on July 4th, 1776. And so at the very least, we begin the process of undoing some of that on June 19th, 1865, and then begin celebrating it the next year. The country needs to know that and celebrate that and not run away from that history. But we should confront it and acknowledge it for what it is.
3: Right. Absolutely. If the fact that all of these barriers to freedom and citizenship and personhood still existed when we declared our independence, that makes you uncomfortable. And celebrating Juneteenth also brings that up. I think you should lean into that discomfort.
1: Yeah. That, I like that, lean into the discussion. That's one of my favorite phrases. Absolutely. You brought up 4th of July, and I did want to discuss that just for a bit with the both of you. Um, Of course, not everyone is free in 1776. In 1852, Frederick Douglass gave a keynote address, we're all aware, at an Independence Day celebration, and he asked, what to the slave is the 4th of July? Mm. Here's what he said in part. Fellow citizens, pardon me, allow me to ask why I am called to speak here today. What have I or those I represent to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I therefore called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us? He then later goes on to say, the sunlight that brought light and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn. Mm. What are your thoughts about African-Americans celebrating the 4th of July?
2: Wow, I mean, it's, it's heavy. And I think all of us have to reckon with how we will deal with it on our own. But I think Frederick Douglass encapsulated for all of the annals of history why it's a complicated celebration for us. We were not free. And at the Declaration of Independence in 1776. And not only that, our national anthem even glories in slavery too. We never get to the third stanza, but the third stanza talks about that as well. So, so much of what this nation was particularly at that time, deals with the oppression of of Black people. And so I say that each one of us has to make a decision as to how we go about doing a celebration for the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. But I would hope that it would acknowledge this complicated history, however we go about doing it. And as Van Jessica said earlier, we're in this capitalistic society that never gives us rest and wants to work our fingers to the bone. So even if that, you just get together with your people And y'all barbecue, you have a cookout, play some songs and stuff like that. I know sometimes we want to make everything serious, but sometimes it doesn't have to be.
1: Absolutely. I agree. Ben, Jessica, what do you think? Should we be celebrating Fourth of July?
3: What I try to do on the Fourth of July is like, whoever has the misfortune of being in my presence, like we're going to read the Declaration of Independence, like the whole thing, ooh, the whole thing. okay, because that's what we're celebrating today. Because if you read it, like I feel like we have some boxes that have yet to be checked off, like if you exist on this soil, not even who your ancestors were. Like, if you look around, you read the Declaration of Independence because you'll see that those guys didn't have everything figured out, but we haven't brought what they, quote-unquote, foresaw or wanted Mm -hmm. to fruition. Mm
1: -hmm. Understand. Okay. Okay. I do want to explore um, the commercialization of things. Mm -hmm. The missteps and the insensitive choices that have been made clearly shows what can happen when— We don't have a seat at the decision making tables. Schools that served special Juneteenth lunches consisting of fried chicken and watermelon. What? Um, You also have stores with Juneteenth sales of merchandise that might make you tilt your head. And slavery reenactments and mixed schools where children of color were playing slaves. We heard all the stories. We read all of the stories over the past two years people trying to properly celebrate. Juneteenth made lots of mistakes. So let's break this down. Let's talk about the commercialization of things first of all. Should this be commercialized? Should we be having Juneteenth sales and merchandise and things of that nature?
2: I say no. It's a no for me. And particularly, we don't have to commodify everything. I know America's temptation is to do that. And we, there, so often, not only do we commodify things, but we try to Um, dilute the truth of what's happening. I saw a celebration in Charleston, South Carolina, I believe it was, and the poster had a white couple on it. And when the organizer was challenged about that, he said, well, I don't want to make this a Black thing. It's a unity celebration. And it's like, actually, that's not what this is, actually. And that's not to say that the holiday is anti-white, but the holiday is acknowledging when Black people were set free. What he did is akin to making the 4th of July All Nations Day. You can't do that. What you should do is acknowledge the truth about what's happening or come to the table of somebody else who is. But, uh, yeah, so it's a a no for me.
3: And Jessica running out to any Juneteenth sales? Um, No, I will not be running to any Juneteenth Mm -hmm. sales. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very interesting how for so many years and so many different spaces we can delineate by race. There's lots of race specific things when it comes to insert all the list of problematic institutions and systems. But when it comes to celebrating, it's like, oh, well, we don't want to see color here. We want everyone to be. And it's like, well, where's all of that energy when it's time for equal rights or equal pay or equal treatment by the justice system? It's like you can't just say we want to be included on the special thing for you because this special thing isn't racism. Um, which I just think is really frustrating. But if we are going to commodify it, could we pass out some like informational books to people (laughs) or like free pamphlets with information about history or historical black trading cards, Mm, like
1: something. This is what I mean by this is also a time to teach Mm -hmm. and to make those corrections. So then let's talk about how we can celebrate Juneteenth in a meaningful way. And I mean, in our homes, also in the workplace, If it even belongs there, we can talk about that. But how should we be celebrating it? Is it all about the barbecues and the parties and things of that nature, or is it that a little that and a little of education as well? How do you celebrate Juneteenth?
3: Well, this year I'm actually doing something a little different. Um, So I'm one of the founding members of the Penn and Slavery Project. I've been looking into the connections uh, between the University of Pennsylvania and the institution of slavery. Um, We started in 2017, and we have found a lot of stuff. Our research led to a statue being removed, Mm -hmm. um, some different conversations about Philadelphia's place, especially in relation to public schools in the area, and we put together a tour. So for Juneteenth, I'm going to be one of the tour guides that's leading people around campus and saying, Mm -hmm. like, you can see here is a representation of how this university is connected to slavery, and over here, and on your left. And also on your right. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And behind you, uh, there's six stops. But yeah, so that's what I will be doing <laughs> all right, um, great. on Juneteenth this year.
1: Professor Welbeck, how can we celebrate this in a meaningful way?
2: So I actually will be at Temple Center for Anti-Racism. We're hosting a Juneteenth event from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. From 10 a.m. to 11.30, we're doing an interactive creative workshop for children. And we'll serve lunch after that for all in attendance. And then in the second half, from um, 12.30 to 2 p.m., we will have some artistic presentations and performances. And we'll also have a guest lecture from Dr. Amalefi Asante, And so he's going to talk about the consciousness of victory mm-hmm. in African agency, particularly in the age of Juneteenth. Okay.
1: Well, as long as I have the power of the microphone, I will every year offer up this conversation mm-hmm. for Juneteenth. Timothy Welbeck and Jessica Gladney, thank you both so much for joining us on Bridging Philly to talk about this very meaningful holiday. Thanks. Thank you for having us.
2: Thanks again for having me.
0: Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you.
1: We continue our conversation about Juneteenth, Day Howard's Shara in the City sits down with notable Philadelphians to discuss the celebration of the true end of slavery.
5: Let me just
4: say this to you young people, change their minds.
5: That's 96-year-old Opal Lee, the grandmother of Juneteenth, June 19th, also known as Freedom Day. We honor her 40 years of tireless advocacy toward making Juneteenth a national holiday. We also honor the next generation she hoped to inspire. With a citywide message of hope, 2016 Philadelphia Poet Laureate, Yolanda Wisher. Juneteenth has a history that ties a lot of Black people in the United States together, but also throughout the diaspora, whether it's the dates on the calendar or the foods that have been passed down.
0: We made it, and it's, so much about the future. It's so much about the kids. It's the next step.
5: Marsha Wesley Coleman, the director of learning and development with FSA, the Friends Services Alliance, says, "In all generations, past and future, they offer lessons in diversity, equity, and inclusion."
6: So Juneteenth celebrates another group of people who knew it, and there were actions that were done. There's something in every generation that we can do as an action to make change, and from our seniors point of view, you've lived a long time, you've seen a lot, and a lot of the seniors that I encounter want to learn, they want to know, they want to change. And there's a lot that they can give, a lot of knowledge, a lot of how did they get to where they were in their lives that can help other people, maybe people who are not in their family, maybe people who don't look like them. And then for the youth, I think that they are doing many things right that we can learn from about stepping up and not being afraid of differences And I would just say that they
5: should do more of that. Dr. Reverend Malcolm Byrd, organizer of the Juneteenth Schools Initiative.
4: Juneteenth is very significant in that we're only celebrating its third year as a federal holiday serving the nation. And the significance of Juneteenth is that it formalized the end of American slavery. What makes it significant for us this year is that we realize that while it calendars on June the 19th, many of our students don't have the opportunity of being directly exposed to it because their school year ends prior to the 19th. Uh, And it is still uh, an emerging holiday within the broader community. So we wanted to be sure that our students had opportunity to learn the historical facts about Juneteenth and then to be able to embrace it uh, vicariously in in terms of all of its ideals around freedom and independence and liberty and justice. Uh, And to do that, we have entered into agreement with a number of local school districts, Philadelphia, William Penn, Uh, southeast delco chester upland as well as a number of charter private and religious schools to be able to pivot a bit before the holiday and allow students to be able to embrace the holiday and in fact for them to become our educators by offering student-led, faculty-supervised, school-centered, educative programming around Juneteenth so that they experience it within their school uh, during uh, the period while they're still in session. And then we're going to have this culminating event on the actual holiday of June 19th at the Extraordinary Penn Museum. Uh, where we will host a program that showcases some of the students' uh, performances and creativity that will be on exhibit, and then we'll have a regular program in which our leaders, civic, political, cultural, speak to the significance of Juneteenth, and then we're going to have a fabulous Uh, and jubilant garden reception with all of the Juneteenth cuisine that uh, is historically familiar.
5: One of the things that stands out most is that you're now redefining, not even redefining, you're defining what the holiday should be, what it should look like for almost a model for the rest of the city. It's important that you include students because that's the point.
4: Absolutely. One of our concerns is the posterity of celebration and appreciation and uh, there will come a time when we are no longer here, but if we uh, incult into young people now, esteem and regard for Juneteenth and its historical significance, we're confident that they'll continue to uh, share it and promote it and make it available into future generations, because there is still a fundamental need to be assured that slavery never happens again. And one way to assure that is to embrace the uh, quintessential values, if you will, of freedom and dignity and independence and liberty, uh, and that it becomes a fabric of our civic identity and our resolve towards democracy.
5: And Vestai Dubois, founder of the Colored Girls Museum in Germantown, says Juneteenth in Philly is a call to action.
1: Black folks in Philadelphia know when Juneteenth comes around, we remember that we're actually supposed to be leading this charge about a kind of liberation for black people that every other part of this country should be paying attention to.
5: Similar to a call and response for Philly youth. So we asked people from all across the city to contribute to this citywide poem From Philly to its Youth.
1: Unbind yourself, say their names.
5: Harriet Tubman.
4: We've walked long enough.
1: Let us rise to the occasion.
4: And bring along our children. We found freedom.
1: All their names. George Floyd. Breonna Taylor. We say everyone's name. Little ones, always be yourself. My son. My brother. Philly,
5: our babies. Unbind yourself.
1: If people can be taught to hate, they can be taught to love. It just takes doing. Change their minds. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly brought to you by Gift of Life donor program, organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly, at Raquel on air and at Shara Day. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. For Shara Day Howard and our producer, Patty McMahon, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well.